0: Well, good morning. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so grateful that you can be with us this morning. Um, I want to ask you a question. Think of a time when you've been hurt, betrayed, afraid. You know, I I started making lists for our lives, and and, and the list kind of kept going a little bit. Um, Years ago, we had a young man who lived down the road from us, and and, uh, a lot of you know this story, but uh, he was kind of like a son to us, and and he came to our house a lot, and we bought this sand rail dune buggy, and and, uh, he was kind of mechanical, so he fixed it up, and he got it running real nice. He was 19 or so. Um, One day, he drives it over to our house with a friend. He's like, check it out. I got it all working. Look how nice this It was so cool, so cool. He's like, can I keep it one more day? I said, of course. You did all this work. Keep it one more day the next day sister calls says he just died in that sandrail head on collision he's dead or i think about in 2009 when i was a business owner and, and the economy crashed and here i am as a, a husband and father and struggling to provide it's like this is my job and i can't do my job of providing and paying the bills and we can go through list and, list and list what is it for you how about the time that that we had people we trusted more than anything, writing letters about us to slander lies and spreading it and trying to stir people up against us. And we wrestle with, what do we do? How do we handle this situation? What, what about your life? What are those times of pain and suffering, fear, you know, fear about what's happening, fear what's going, where do you turn in those times? There's a lot of places we could turn, social media, you know, spread it all out there and see what everybody else has to say about it. We could turn to drink, turn to medication. Maybe it's turned to a therapist, and that's not always a bad thing, but, but maybe the therapist is the place you run every time. Where do we turn? Well, right now, I want you to turn to Psalm 62. Now, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you. Um, grab it. It is our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, take it. Uh, and we're in Psalm, and just to make it easy, this is page 530. So if you're not used to the Bible, that is totally okay. It's right about in the middle. <laughs> Turn there, page 530. The book of Psalms is actually a, it's a collection of songs. It's a collection of poems. Uh, and it's written by several different people. King David is probably the most prolific writer of the Psalms and someone we would know. He lived about 3,000 years ago, um, about 1,000 years before Jesus. And he wrote a lot of these, and you probably know some about David, maybe not. He was the first real good king of Israel. Kind of cool thing about the Bible, uh, it is the most reliable ancient document we have, and so we have a pretty good history of David's life in First and 2 Samuel and others. And then here in Psalms, these things that he wrote down are preserved very well. And in Psalm 62, David, who has been king of Israel, is on the run. And he's running because his son is trying to kill him. His son wants to be king. His son had uh, organized a campaign against him where he stood at the gates and he found people influential and he spread lies about his dad. Uh, And he would say one thing to his dad and then another thing to everybody else, stirring them up. David's closest advisor and counselor turned against him in this and started counseling Absalom on how to take over the kingdom from, from his father. So, David is on the run. He he has a a small group with him, and they have to flee for his life. He's out hiding. While he's doing that Absalom, on the council of David's highest counselor, sets up a tent on top of a a roof where everybody in the kingdom can see it as they're passing by, and one by one takes David's concubines in there and sleeps with them. This is betrayal, right? Like, Imagine this depth of betrayal. I've never experienced anything like this, but in that time, David writes this. And we're going to see in Psalm 62 verse 1 through 7 is kind of his testimony. Here's what's going on and here's what I'm doing with it. Here's what I'm wrestling. And then in verse 8 he gives us some instruction. So Psalm 62 starting in verse 1. He says for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. "'My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. "'How long will all of you attack a man to batter him "'like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? "'They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. "'They take pleasure in falsehood. "'They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. "'For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, "'for my hope is from him. "'He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress.' I shall not be shaken. O God, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. It's interesting, you read there a couple times, he says, I wait in silence. And he's writing this, but it's almost like he doesn't even have the words. You ever had that time in life? A cancer diagnosis, uh, again, a betrayal, whatever it is in life, and you just don't have the words? That's kind of where David's at. He didn't have the words, and he's just suffering. People are coming against me. People are shaming me, all these things. They're trying to take me down. They're trying to destroy me. I don't even have the words to express it. You have been there? But over and over, he repeats, God alone. For God alone, my soul waits. For God alone is my rock. He says that over and over. And then in verse 8, he turns to give some counsel to us. He says, here's my situation. Now, let me tell you what to do if you're in this situation verse 8 he says trust in him that is god at all times oh people pour out your heart before him god is a refuge for us that is our key verse for today god is a refuge for us let me tell you this is what we've experienced all those things i listed and our other ones where can we turn god is our refuge you know when i was slandered it's like i need to stand up for myself god said no I'm your refuge. I'm enough for you. When we had no money and I'm just stressed, you know, I can't, God really showed up and said, do you not trust me? I am your refuge. When I'm driving out to that crash site and I see his dad pull up, all I could do is pray because God was my refuge. Now this series, as we're going through Psalms and Proverbs and it's getting to know the heart of God, if we understand this refuge, we get to know the heart of our God. What is a refuge? Refuge. Now, if you're a note taker, um, and we have notes, and if you're that type, great. If not, great. If you like to write in your Bible, great. One of the things I've learned that if God speaks to me, I want to write it down. You know, so if God speaks to you through his word, write it down. Circle in your Bible. It's okay, by the way, to write in your Bible. I don't know if you knew that. But here's your first note. When we are hurting, we turn to God as our refuge. And again, what is a refuge? Refuge. The, the first picture that came to my mind actually is from Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you saw those movies. But remember in Lord of the Rings, and, and uh, they have to flee because they're, they're under attack by the orcs or whatever it is, and they run to the high mountain castle. That you know, There's only one way in, and all the back is cliffs, and it's stone walls, super thick. It's really cool. You should see it. But that's the refuge. Everybody runs there. Right. They run there. They close the doors. They lock it up. That's their refuge. Or a bomb shelter. I asked some people this morning, do you remember the duck and cover drills? And some of you, I'm not saying what age, some did, some did not. Um, I don't remember doing them. I think they stopped a little bit before me. But but there was, and if you Google bomb shelter, there was real danger during the Cold War, especially I think 50s and 60s of nuclear attack. And so people would build these bomb shelters and then stock them full of stuff, right? Clean water, MREs, blankets, uh, blow-up mattresses. Everything you need would be in this bomb shelter, this refuge, or they called them fallout shelters. So those are kind of the pictures of a refuge. That's what this word is talking about here. God is a refuge. So let's see four things about a refuge. And by looking at this, we're seeing four things about our God. Here's the first one. A refuge is a place of safety. A refuge is a place of safety. Think about that bomb shelter. It's made out of concrete, right? I mean, look up the plans. It's kind of cool. I looked up some of the plans. It's block or it's poured concrete. The top is concrete and it's underground. You know, it's a place of safety. Those duck and cover drills, people would get under their desk. I'm not sure how safe that would really be if a nuclear bomb came. But, But a bomb shelter is a place of safety. I was talking to Paul Ingram this morning, who's from Texas. And I said, did you guys have duck and cover drills? He said, no, we had tornado drills. I said, th- oh, okay, you know, down there, and, and we had a siren in town, and if the siren went off, you hear it, you run, <laughs> and you get to your, your cellar or your bomb shelter, whatever you have, you go there, but a refuge is a place of safety. Uh, remember the three little pigs, right, <laughs> and the wolf, big bad wolf comes along, and the first house is a house of straw? How often do we, in these times, run to a house of straw? Whether it's social media, whether it's alcohol, or, or something else. We run to these other things, which really are houses of straw that can just be blown over. And then a house of sticks. Which house stood up? The safe one. The house of bricks. A refuge is only as good as it is strong. Right? I, I mean, a bomb shelter with a weak wood roof, not, not going to do much good for you. He says here, uh, my God is a rock, verse 6. He only is my rock. That word rock, it's not just like a pebble. It's a boulder. It's one of those things you can't move. It's firm. It's strong. You know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, the house we lived in, in the basement, there was a giant rock because it's like we couldn't move it. They couldn't move it, so they just built the house around it. It's kind of cool. Big old rock. But that's our God, a big, strong boulder that cannot be moved. We can be secure within God's strength. We're getting to know the heart of God. Do you know that? You can be secure within God's strength. God didn't create us, create everything, set it in motion, and then say, good luck. He is close, he is near, and we can trust him. Psalm 104.5 says, he established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not, be, it will not totter forever and ever. Totter. That's the same word used in our passage in Psalm 62 of shaken. God created everything. He sustained everything. What are we worried about? He is really, really strong. Number two, a refuge is a place of supply, right? What good would that bomb shelter be if you got down there and you're like, yeah, they did drop a bomb. We have to stay here for a month. i like, well, we don't have any food or water. A refuge is a place. You stock it up. You get it ready. God is our supply. Do you realize that? Again, where do we go when we have those times? God has everything. He's like a one-stop shop. He's Walmart or Amazon. He's our one-stop shop for everything we need, physical, emotional, spiritual. He's our place to run to. He will and he can supply. Psalm 50, 10 through 12 says, For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field. The point is God owns everything. He's got control of everything. What won't he give us if we need it? You know, Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll give all the things that you need. You know, Jesus was speaking to a group, and he said, why are you worried about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep? You're worried about all these things. Trust me. Follow God, and I'll provide the things that you need. But how about not just physical, but hope, right? Peace. I mean, those are our deeper, greatest needs, and the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit that we get when we abide in God, and he gives us love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, we can go down that list. These are all things he gives us when we come to him. You have any decisions to make? God provides wisdom. A lot of people have decisions to make right now. Kids in school, what are we going to do? They're going to make me do a COVID test every week at my job. What am I going to do? Right? We have these things going on. And God can supply. He is the supply of all wisdom. But how does God provide most of these things? How does he provide when he supplies? Normally through his people. That's why a church, the church, and I mean kingdom, all the churches are so important because God normally does this supply. He can do it however he wants. I mean, he could drop a a bag of groceries on your doorstep. He could, but normally he's going to stir one of his people to do that. So God provides through his people, again, decisions. Three weeks ago, we talked about how to make good decisions. And one of the big ways is we seek godly counsel. God will help others understand scripture and help us make decisions. So he will supply Do you lack peace? Do you lack joy? Psalm 1611, speaking of God, he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you want to know more about that, go back earlier in the summer and listen to Preston's sermon he taught on Psalm 16. But in his presence is fullness of joy. Here's the point. Whatever you're going through, God is enough. God is enough. He's strong. He has everything he wants to give to you to get through it. God is enough. Complete this sentence. I need, to be content, I need Jesus and... What is it? I need Jesus and that relationship. I really need this relationship, whatever it is. I need Jesus and two cars that run well. I mean, we need jobs, we need... but, But to be content, I need Jesus and a really cool quad. I I don't know what it is. What's there? Is Jesus enough? If you're homeless, right, penniless, struggling for food, in that time, will Jesus be enough? I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't give us a whole bunch of uh, really awesome religious people that do it all right. The Bible is full of a bunch of broken, messed up people like you um, and me. and, And in it, But in it, we see the people like us going through the most horrible circumstances, but saying, God, I trust you. My joy is in you. Uh, David writing right here, he is out there. Absalom's trying to kill him. He's been betrayed, he's being shamed with his concubines. He's there, and he's saying, What? God, you are my salvation. He's saying, God, you are enough. Can you say that? I hope so. God is enough. Number three, a refuge is a place that is reliable, right? So that tornado shelter for those Texans, it's reliable. You know where it is. It's not going to move, right? You don't hear the siren and you run out and you're like, somebody moved our storm shelter. It's, it's there. It's reliable. God is reliable because he is our refuge. Like a palace, like a castle, like a fortress, it doesn't just get up and go somewhere else. God is reliable. He will always be right there for us. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am always available to you. A refuge, our God, is reliable. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. The God who is our salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Daily bears our burden. Not just on Wednesdays. Not just when we go to church on Sundays. Daily bears our burdens. You know, we talk about, here's our mission over here, connecting people to the abundant life, right? God wants us to have an abundant life in Him, only possible through an abiding relationship in Jesus. That's what we're talking about, this abiding relationship, meaning day in and day out, He's there, He's available, and He'll provide, and we can be close to Him always. Abide, hang on tight, because He's a place to supply He's strong, and he's reliable. Do you know God doesn't go on vacation? God doesn't listen to one prayer at a time. Our God is reliable. But here's number four. A refuge is a place you must go. Imagine, you know, being in Texas, and you hear the siren go off, and you're like, eh, I don't believe it. And you choose not to run. Your shelter's going to do you no good. You know, you're in the trailer park and here comes that tornado. You're toast if you don't run to your shelter. It's the same way with God. When life happens, God is right there, but, but he's patient. Um, and he's not going to insert himself too strongly. He wants us to come to him. A refuge is a place we must go. God is there. He's reliable. But you've got to run to him. You've got to turn to him. He is available. God is our refuge. And a refuge is a place we must go. But why can we go to him? Again, this is in your note. Because God is my refuge. I can trust him at all times. Look at, back at Psalm 62.8. This is how he gives his instruction to us. He says, trust him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge. Trust him. You can trust God. You can trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You want more on this? We taught on this earlier in the summer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. Why can we trust God? He's all-powerful, right? So He can do anything. He's all-knowing, perfectly wise. He knows what's best, and He loves us. He loves us passionately, intimately. So He loves you, He wants what's best for you, and He has the power to do what's best for you. So, duh, trust Him run to him. We can trust him. Now here's a little bit of of practical, right? When life hits and you're saying, okay, I, I hear this. How do I do this? Well, he says it right here, verse eight. It says, trust him at all times. O people pour out your heart before him. Do you know God can handle your junk? God can handle your fears. God can handle your doubts. God doesn't expect you to just be perfect. A lot of people think that, oh, I got to get my act together and get perfect and be strong enough and faithful enough. Then I can come to church. No, God says, come to me. (laughs) Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus says. I will give you rest, right? Come to him just as you are and pour out your heart. Again, you have doubts, fears, pour out your heart. God's not going to be like, whoa, hey, watch your language. I mean, when we speak to God, we need to speak as if we're speaking to God. But he can handle your emotion. David does it all the time. David does it here a little bit, like, why are these people coming after me? Or go back to last week, and if you missed last week, that was a great sermon, too, that Dave taught. You know, on, oh, my soul, my soul thirst for you, God. You know, in that time when you're in the desert, it's like, oh, what do I do? You thirst for God. Turn to God because we can trust him. And we can pour out our hearts to Him. This is a quote from an old dead pastor, Charles Spurgeon, says, Turn the vessel of your soul upside down in His secret presence and let your inmost thoughts, desires, sorrows, and sins be poured out like water. Hide nothing from Him, for you can hide nothing from Him. He knows it all anyway. So, so how do we run to him? Part of it is run to him and just pour it out. And I know some of you men, especially like me, like, I can handle it. I'm good. I don't need to be emotional. Guess what? This guy writing this, David, when he was 13, probably, killed a bear. F- fought a bear to protect a sheep. When he was 14, fought a lion to protect his sheep. When he was 15, killed a giant. Why? Because he's slandering God. He goes out there with a sling and kills a giant. And then... He was a poet. <laughs> he played the harp. I, I, I mean, it's okay for us to emotionally pour out our hearts to God. It's not unmanly, right? Pour out your heart to God. What happens when you pour something out? It makes a mess, <laughs> right? When we pour out our, our hearts to God, it can be messy. God can handle it. That's how we go to Him. We go to Him, we pour it out, and He's like, I get it. I get it. And by the way, Jesus does get it. God became a man in Jesus. And he he experienced all the things we experience except for sin. He was tempted, but he said no, he never sinned. But he gets it. So he can empathize with whatever you're going through. What else happens when we pour something out? It's revealing. I don't know if you've experienced this. You start pouring your heart out to God, you start learning some things about yourself, it's revealing. As you start pouring, and maybe more comes out, and more comes out, and hopefully you're going to Scripture or talking to God's people who know Scripture, and you start pouring stuff out, and what you get back is love, wise guidance, compassion, grace. God doesn't hear your stuff and go, man, you know better. I mean, he might, but he gives us grace. The evidence is Jesus on the cross. Scripture says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get your act together. He looked at you and said, I love you. I'm going to die for you. Not because you're good. Because he's good. So where do you run? What's your refuge? Is Facebook your refuge? You pour your heart out on Facebook or whatever other social media. That's not the place to do it. God is our refuge. He's the place we run. But who is he a refuge for? Look back at verse 8. It says, trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Is God a refuge for everyone? That's a weird question. Pastor, what's the answer? (laughs) Well, we look here. No. Is he available to everyone? Yes. But it is those who, he says us. He says people, meaning God's people. That's who he's speaking to. God's people He is a refuge. Now, if you don't know Jesus as Lord, if he is not your God, he wants to be, and he's available right now, and you can turn to him. Psalm 910 says, those who know your name will put their trust in you. You can't trust somebody you don't know. And so this, God is a refuge for those who know him, for those who love him, for those who will turn to him. And how do you do that? Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine, for all sins of everyone ever. Jesus rose from the dead. And scripture's clear. If we, by faith, receive Jesus as Lord, confess him as Lord, believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead, that's how it starts. If you haven't done that yet, that's where it starts. To get this relationship with God, it's called reconciliation. God's here, we're here. When we repent and turn to Jesus for salvation, we are reconciled. And we become close to God. And God is here, he's not this angry God judging you for your sin. He's here like this. Come on, just repent. Come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. I'm available for you. And all we have to do is repent and turn. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. This whole picture, you know, as I was studying and thinking and praying over this this morning, is I get the idea of a, of a father. You know, as a father, I want to be all these things to my kids. I want to be a refuge. I want to be a place of supply. I want to be a place of safety. I want to be a place of strength. But guess what? I am so imperfect. But our God is a loving Father who is perfect, who has all the power, who has all the strength, who has all the wisdom. He is the perfect Father, and here we can be His children, John 1:12. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Him? And listen. God wants to be available for everyone. Jesus made it very clear. He had Peter write it. He says, I desire none to be lost, but for all to come to repentance. So if you know that God is a refuge and you see people suffering, shame on us if we don't point them to the shelter. Shame on us if we don't pull them into the refuge with us. Now God is there for you. Rather than kind of the politically correct, Now, believe whatever you want. I mean, there's a way to do it with grace and with love. But God is there and available, and we are to bring people into His protection. You know, we're going to move to our time of response. You know, here at Common Ground, we we want to worship together. We don't think this is a performance. Uh, we pray, we show up, hoping that God will show up with us and do some things. Which is why we do worship at the end, also. But it's all worship. Why we do singing at the end, so that it's a time for us to respond in our hearts. And so for you, you can respond by sitting there and just praying. You can respond by standing up and singing loud with your hands up. You can respond by getting on your knees in prayer and repentance. You can respond, we have prayer walls here and here, kind of chicken wire. You can write a prayer to God, roll it up and stick it in there, and the prayer team will pray for you. I'm going to be over here. You can come talk to me. If if you're here and you're like, I've never done this. I've never come to Jesus as a starting point. Come see me. Or if you have something going on in your life and you're like, I just need prayer, come to me. That's a way you can respond. And for the rest of us, we're going to take communion. Communion. Jesus gave us this at the Last Supper before he went to the cross, the day before he died. He instituted this. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't tell us how often to do it. We do it every other week. But he says, as often as you do it, remember me. We remember when we drink the cup, his blood shed for us. We remember when we eat the bread, his body broken for us on that cross. And we do this looking forward to him coming back. So it's a time of remembering what he did. And it's a time of looking forward to him coming back. And it's a time of introspection. The Apostle Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, when you do this, take a minute and examine yourself first. This is for believers. If you have not surrendered to Jesus as Lord, don't take. It's okay. No big deal. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's judging you. Stay where you're at. Don't go take it. Or come talk to me. Or in your seat, give your life to Jesus and then come take it for the first time. But this is for believers. We do this remembering what Jesus did and celebrating. This whole thing with God being a refuge, it should fill us with gratitude. It should fill us with praise to him. And so now we're going to do that. We're going to show our gratitude and our praise by worshiping some more. Father in heaven, thank you for being our strong refuge. God, I, I thank you that it's not just words in a book, uh, but that it's life lived out. God, I thank you that all those times where I ran to you as a refuge, you, you hadn't moved. You were there every single time, that you were always available. I thank you that we can trust you. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for buying our salvation, not based on our works, not based on how good we are, not based on our gifts or abilities, but based on you. So God, I pray for all those in here who are hurting, God, maybe there are people who came here today wondering, does church have the answer to the pain I'm going through? And I guess I would say the church doesn't have the answer, but you do, God. Uh, and we, we just are, are stewards of this relationship with you. And so, God, I, I ask you to show up today for those who are hurting, for those who are scared, for those who have a decision to make. Be their refuge this morning. God, let us run to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.